Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth, Melbourne's weekly show where we talk about how we are going to mobilise, resist and transform our way to a better world. Um, I'm Anna Langford and I'm uh, a campaigner at Friends of the Earth Melbourne on the Act on Climate Collective. This is my first time ever actually on the host side of the desk, so bear with me. Um, But I do have our awesome Sustainable Cities campaigner Elise here in the studio with me. Um, So today we're going to be talking about two of the major industry transitions that are already underway and that we need to really supercharge and take the reins of when it comes to tackling the climate crisis and lowering emissions at the speed we need to. Um, We are three years into what many have been calling the decade of transition, the decade that we really need to make the deepest cuts possible um, if we are to keep warming uh, as low as we possibly can, according to the United Nations. Um, And today we're going to talk about, at the local level, what is happening on two fronts. One, the energy transition from fossil fuels to renewables. And the second, um, the transition out of native forest logging in Victoria, which saw a major update last week. So first up, we're going to be talking to two people who have been working in the world of the energy transition for a long time, Colin Long um, from Victorian Trades Hall Council and our very own renewable energy campaigner from the Latrobe Valley, Wendy Farmer. So I'll introduce them both in a moment um, and after them we'll be talking to Friends of the Earth's Forest campaigner, Kim Croxford. Um, But first we'll just have a short community service announcement before I bring them on. 3CR is about community, and we welcome your participation at the station. 3CR is open to a wide diversity of volunteers and is a great way to connect with Melbourne's activist community. Have you ever thought about volunteering, doing a reception shift, getting a program on air, training in radio skills, or contributing to one of the station's committees? There are many ways to be involved at 3CR. To find out more, go to 3cr.org.au and get in touch. Welcome back to Friends of the Earth's Dirt Radio. Just before we get into our interview, I would also like to acknowledge country. And um, we are, of course, tuning in from Wurundjeri land today, uh, land of the Kulin Nations in so-called Melbourne. Um, I'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. This is an ongoing struggle for First Nations justice, and it's a crucial part of our fight for climate justice. 
Um, so now I'd like to bring on our two guests this morning. First up, we have uh, Colin Long from the Victorian Trades Hall Council, who is the National um, Just Transitions Officer and has been working in the world of uh, worker-led transitions for a very long time now. G'day, Colin. Can you hear me? Have we got you on the phone, Colin? Alrighty, let's, we're just going to see if we can get Colin on the line, but I'll also just introduce Wendy in the meantime. Um, so we've also got Wendy Farmer, who is uh, Friends of the Earth's Renewable Energy, uh, one of Friends of the Earth's Renewable Energy campaigners, um, who lives out in the Latrobe Valley in Gippsland and is also a member of Voices of the Valley, um, which has been uh, working to ensure that justice is at the heart of the transition from fossil fuels to renewables in the valley. Uh, hello, Wendy. Can you hear us? Good morning, Anna. I can hear you. Awesome. Good to hear you, Wendy. Um, maybe just while we're uh, seeing if we can get Colin on the line, um, I'll start with you. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously this is been your area for a very long time um, and really at the heart of the community that you live in. Um, so what, what we're talking about today, I guess, is the recent announcement that the federal government is finally going to create a national, what they're calling net zero authority, essentially an energy transition authority. But where you live in the Latrobe Valley, there's already been um, a local level version of that authority for several years now, formed in response to the rapid closure of the Hazelwood power station. Um, can you give us an idea of how well that authority has been working at the local level so far to give future certainty to the community and what kinds of things does it do? Yeah, um, definitely. So to start with, you know, that that, that was um, the authority, the Latrobe Valley Authority was in, put in place when um, with the announcement of the Hazelwood closure with, um, you know, very short notice. Um, so it was really... It was based to look after the workers, mm. to actually give them, um, you know, areas that they can go for support, to actually learn how um, new skills or, you know, possibly take up new skills, to see where they needed to move into different industries and to, to support those workers to do that. They also did pick up workers from timber. Um, there was a timber closure at one stage here as well, not long after Hazelwood closed. And they are looking also at the um, wider timber area now. Um, I think the authority showed that with, with when workers get support and when communities get support, you do um, your unemployment doesn't um, go up. It actually, we saw the unemployment rate, rate go right down. Um, then we had COVID, which which didn't help at all. But we've seen, um, what we've really seen out of the authority, I think, is a real connected community, a community that are working better together um, and avenues where um, people can go for support. So we've had a lot of new construction as well. We've had a lot of um, money put into Latrobe Valley for that transition. Um, but what we do see is hope. What we didn't have, you know, we, we feared another closure of a power station because of privatisation in the 90s. So we actually... Had, this time we weren't just left. We actually had support to move on. And it was really interesting when um, the National Authority was called, which is something that we had also been campaigning on, mm. because um, 
in the work that I do, I've gone to many communities right across Australia and even the world is watching what happens in Latrobe Valley. Um, and that was one of the things that people really wanted, a national authority. Yeah, for sure. And the Latrobe Valley has really um, been one of the kind of canaries in the coal mine, I guess, globally for uh, in terms of what the transition is going to look like and what the best way to do it is that looks after communities and gives them certainty. Um, so what, like, what are your hopes for what the Net Zero National Authority um, could achieve with this big scale up and... Um, like, yeah, kind of more future certainty um, for the broader transition? Look, my, my hopes are that, you know, we look at Australia as a, um, a holistic, on a holistic view rather than state by state. We actually look at the assets water in each um, region and we actually support that. So, for instance, right now there's probably four different states in Australia wanting to do hydrogen. Yeah. Is there a better place to do hydrogen? Is there a best place to do hydrogen and a better place, a better um, something for somebody else? And I think with having a national authority that will actually feed into, I believe, smaller authorities on the ground in communities, it will actually give the ability to look at Australia and go, well, what are, what are the best places to do things rather than have everybody fight against each other to do the same thing? Mm. So I think, you know, but we have to make sure that we get really good people on that national authority as well. We don't just want um, people from companies to try and do exactly what they've always done. That hasn't worked anyway. Yeah, it seems like that nationally coordinated approach with um, worker voices in there and local voices is really what's needed for that longer term certainty beyond just a few years at a time of funding. Um we're going to um, jump over in a little bit to talk to Colin about his perspective on this. But before you go, Wendy, um, would really love to hear um, and share with the listeners about the some of the work that you've got coming up in Foe's Yes to Renewables Collective. Um, because you're, yeah, really doing some pioneering work on a few fronts in on the transition in Victoria. Uh, what have you got going on for the second half of the year? So, well, actually, even this first half of the year still, we, we haven't finished this half, first, first half yet. Um, <laughs> we've got some exciting things happening. We've been working with um, Alan Bridge from um, The Juice Media, and we've produced a um, film or a documentary called um, Power On. It actually shows how our energy is changing. It actually um, shows what we've got in renewable energy, but it also gives that... Um, community side of how community can actually lead in renewable energy as well and be part of um, the changes and the transformation of energy that is happening. And we're really excited about that. It's a really um, uplifting documentary. It actually just makes you feel good when you've watched it and you actually want to get out and do something. So we encourage people to actually come up and listen to that or, or listen to it. We will be doing a road trip, but the first um, launch will be at the film of sorry, the Festival of Big Ideas in Latrobe Valley. That is the 16th and 17th of June, so it's a Friday and Saturday. The film will have a launch, but then it will show over the two days um, or on different times through a screen, and that, will, that time slot will um, come up soon. We'll let people know when that is. If people want to watch the Yes to Renewables Facebook page, 
I'm sure we'll be posting there on when the actual launch time will happen um, and when the screenings will happen over those couple of days as well. The bigger thing, though, which I'm really excited about, it's been something of my dream for many years, and we're going to have a Renewable Energy Jobs Expo. We want to demonstrate to the communities where the jobs are in renewable energy. For 10 years, we've been told there's no jobs in renewable energy, but we're listening to the industry going, where are we going to find the people to fill the jobs? So we actually want to put those two together and actually show people where the jobs are. That's happening the 14th and 15th of October in Trolgan, and we're really excited. Amazing. Well, we'll be sure to put the details for Yes to Renewables on this uh, Dirt Radio episode online for people to follow up with those details. Um, But thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us this morning, Wendy. Um, There's so much exciting stuff in the pipeline for your work. And um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting to finally see things getting moving in this way. Thanks, Anna. And can I just say, if anybody wants to be feet on the ground, um, and help at those two events, reach out to us through Yes to Renewables. Absolutely. It's the year of boots back on the ground. <laughs> Sounds good. That's it. Thanks, Wendy. Um, we're just going to get Colin Long from Trades Hall back on the line, and we'll just play another community service announcement while we do that. So we will be back with you in a moment. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs flyer on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. Alrighty, we are back on, and I think now we have Colin Long from Victorian Trades Hall Council on the line. Are you there, Colin? Hi, Anna. Awesome. Good to hear you. Um, I know we've only got about five, six minutes of your time before you have to go. So thanks so much for joining us this morning. Um, We were just hearing a bit from Wendy Farmer um, from her local Latrobe Valley perspective on the new uh, announcement of the government's National Net Zero Authority. But you are coming at it from a bit of a different perspective in the work that you've been doing for many years now at Trades Hall and with unions around the country that are part of the energy transition. Um, so, you know, from your perspective with the union movement, um, like how long have people, you know, been calling for this to be established and um, what, what's been the kind of, what is the, like, idea all about? Oh, it's been, a, it's been a long time. I was looking back at things I had written or contributed when I made the announcement and I've been suggesting something like an authority for well over 10 or 12 years. <laughs> um, the... 
ACTU has been campaigning for something like an authority for around six or seven years as well. So it's been a long time. Um, I wouldn't say we're a different perspective necessarily from Voices of the Valley and the Latrobe Valley people. I think we share very much a, a similar interest in ensuring mm. the justice for local communities and for the workers. Um, and we think that the uh, net zero transition authority or whatever it's called at the moment is vital to achieving such a just transition. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I think there's a huge um, shared perspective there in terms of justice for the locals and the workers coming before um, company profits and short-term gains. Um, and so I guess before we let you go, um, it would be really good to hear from you on, you know, what what do we know so far about what the Albanese government has actually announced in terms of the net zero authority? Do we know how close it comes to what the unions have been calling for? Um, and if it seems like, you know, uh, the response that, that we need, that the movement's been fighting for? Uh, look, I think it's, it's very positive. We don't have the final form of it. The commitment at the moment is to develop think within the Prime Minister's Department and a special task force to develop the authority. So they're, they're working on that. But what they have said it will focus on, which is uh, ensuring workers have pathways to good new jobs, to training, to um, supported retirement and things like that, to ensuring that there is economic diversification in fossil fuel dependent regions. All of those things are what we've been calling for for a long time. And importantly, uh, I think there needs to be a focus on actually creating work in those communities as well. There's no point training people for jobs that don't exist. So that will be hopefully a very important part of the remit of the authority. But at the moment, what they've indicated is pretty much the sorts of things we've been demanding. So a real focus on workers, retraining, uh, new job opportunities, uh, preservation of entitlements and uh, economic diversification in affected regions. Mm, absolutely. And so I guess b before we let you go today, um, what, what do you think are really going to be the key like ways for unions to, um, you know, the points of intervention, ways for um, workers to be at the table and have their voices heard going forward from the announcement? But well, the really important thing, I think, is that in all of the decision-making from here on, in, in thinking about what the authority will look like in creating the authority and then constituting it and then putting and involving people in it, we want to ensure that unions have a voice central to that whole process. It can't just be uh, a process and an authority that has representatives of big companies or or just government and big companies, it has to have unions there front and centre so that the voices of workers uh, are heard loud and clear. But I would also say we need the voices of local communities like in the Latrobe Valley, like Wendy's Voice and organisations like hers. Um, those voices need to be front and centre in all of the deliberations and in the operations of the authority when it does get going. 
Absolutely. And I'm sure Friends of the Earth will be right alongside unions and trades hall ensuring that that is the case as we see it develop. Um, thanks well, so much well, for jumping on for a, a hot second to chat, Colin. Um, yeah, sorry, it's quick, but Friends of the Earth have been great in the support for that, for transition, just transition and for the establishment of an authority too. And that's been crucial, the support of allies in the um, environment and climate movement has been crucial to getting the authority off the ground. So great work to Friends of the Earth as well. Mm, yeah, well, I, I think we, yeah, we've all just, we all just know that we, we can't possibly leave this kind of shift to the market. So we really need to be in the game, making sure we're driving the way it happens. Um, thanks so much, Colin, for joining thanks, us this morning to talk about the new Net Zero Authority. And in these last few moments um, we have, we're going to shift gear and talk about a different transition um, unrolling on the ground in Victoria, which uh, I'm sure many of our listeners will have heard about in the last week, which is the announcement of uh, the end of native forest logging in Victoria. We're going to bring on one of Friends of the Earth's forest campaigners, Kim Croxford, to talk about uh, what she sees as the key work going forward on this front. So we'll just play a quick community service announcement as we bring Kim on. Able-bodied Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. G'day, welcome back to Dirt Radio, Friends of the Earth's weekly radio show. And we are talking about all things transition, industries in transition uh, as we tackle the climate crisis. And in these last few minutes, uh, we've just been talking about the energy transition underway in uh, across the country. Um, and now we're going to be talking to Friends of the Earth's Forest campaigner, Kim Croxford, about... Uh, a different kind of transition which is going to be quite quickly ramping up in Victoria over the next few months and that is the end of native forest logging. Um, are you there Kim? Do we have Kim on the line? Hi Anna, yeah hi. Hi Kim, good to me. hear from you. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, about uh, yeah, we've got a few minutes left to chat and um, I guess we could totally talk about this for hours, um, but in the time that we have, I really wanted to um, bring you on after this chat we've just had about um, the energy transition because uh, the transition out of native forest logging is another, you know, it's one of the environment movement's probably longest waged fights and we've suddenly seen it ramp up so quickly in Victoria. Um You've been doing some work in your local community of Murrindindi for the last little while to uh, really kind of bring people together and talk about like the future that they envision for the area beyond logging, which I think is really quite pioneering work. So I wanted to just ask you um, what's been happening in that work that you've been doing and what your thoughts are on how it will progress over the next few months. Yeah. 
So there's a bit of a sense here, and I think in our society more broadly, that people should mind their own business and and sort of not participate sort of fully in in public life. But when it's when when the issue is how how to manage your immediate environment, you know we're surrounded by forests here in our community, and when the change is impacting your community and it has all these slow on effects, then it is totally your business and and envisioning um, the future that you do want and making sure we're not leaving anyone behind becomes really important. So that's what, um, you know, the the community organising up here has has been all about is is bringing local people into this and making sure that it's not just um, distant bureaucracies making decisions for us, but um, making decisions together. And I think... Um, that's how we get an inclusive transition that, you know, allows us to, to care for each other. And our community here is really wonderful at, at caring for each other and at mutual aid. It, it's all neighbours helping neighbours up here, which I think is something really special. Um, so, you know, I wanted to embrace that and try and see if we can extend our existing everyday care for our community um, into this transition process. Mm, yeah, it's it's really, it's been so beautiful to see you unearth these existing strands of work and passion within the local community um, and really spin that into what what a future vision could look like with more diversity of industry and future job opportunities. Um, I guess, like, we've just got a couple of minutes, but I'd love to hear um, what your thoughts are on the details of the government's announced transition package for people in the native forest logging industry and maybe like what work you think still needs to be done beyond that like where the gaps are yeah i'll answer that in two parts um the new transition package is really positive i think the government have finally shown leadership and doing the right thing yeah to create that certainty for for workers and communities and get people out of limbo and it's really great because now all workers can access support, whereas before they didn't have sort of the agency to transition earlier, even though the industry was stopping now. Um, And it's great to see, you know, um, adequate support payments and one-on-one caseworkers. And I understand that despite the support, it's still a sensitive time for workers because it's also about people's identity that's been tied to working in the bush for a long time. But the support seems really robust this time. The most exciting part of the package, um, which has been going on for a little while in some affected areas, is the community development funds. So a lot of this transition, this part of the transition was developed by modelling off some of the learnings from the energy transition, um, like the Latrobe Valley Authority. And the best things about it is it's really place-based and specific. So they're seeing, you know, collecting data about what opportunities specifically are in this area. They're strengthening regional institutions like local councils and facilitating um, sort of future local participatory decision-making, which is really cool. Um, lots of one-on-one interviews, like one effective reason, there's 170 people in the town and they interviewed 110 of them, which is really cool. Wow. So this kind of community engagement, which is so rare with, you know, government processes, is, is, a, is kind of a great way to counter what was a totally necessary top-down decision in terms of acknowledging the climate and ecological realities and also the realities of where the industry's at and what workers need. So, But it's great that they're countering this um, sort of community involvement. Um, what still needs to be done is we need to keep building community power and community involvement um, to make sure this process stays participatory um, and, you know, it doesn't just harvest community ideas and then run in the other direction. We don't want 
industry lobbyists and corporate voices in the room. We want genuine impacted people um, coming together and and finding out what they they want next for their communities and immediate local areas. And we also really want to make sure that in terms of our community's ability to thrive long-term in our environment, in our place, especially as the climate changes, we need to make sure our solutions address the problem at its root. Um, So... And the problem not, is not local people going about their lives or even logging contractors. The problem is capitalism, extractivism, colonialism, systems that value corporate profit over people on the land. So we need to obviously protect the forest um, by permanently severing land management from profit motives. We need to see these as living landscapes to be in relationship with as a community, not cheap resources. Um, and in terms of our future economic activity... Um, despite this sort of amazing community engagement elements of, of the um, transition, they're using the economic model smart specialisation, which it has a lot of positive aims, but it's also exclusively a growth-based lens. We really need to shift to a care-based lens. So an economy is just how we organise to meet our needs. We need a regenerative economy, one that restores ecosystems and that centres work that allows us to care for one another. So communities really need to deeply engage now. Um, people need to be there to ask the questions, does this activity have social value? Does it include the people who are out of work at the moment and um, keep their skills in the area? Does it address housing? Does it build social network solidarity? Does it respect Tyrone custodians, return land to First Nations people? Does it make sure our incredible ecosystems can be cared for into the future, even during a climate crisis? Does it include local people in that? Are they included in restoring the land and looking after the environment? Um, and so we basically have to make sure that the solutions are not socially or environmentally extractive, like mm, extracting wealth yeah. from rural areas by exploiting resources or extracting resources in a way that depletes or destroys ecosystems and fuels climate change. Like, can we instead see cooperative business models that distribute wealth and return benefits directly to affected communities and empower those communities? Can we see, you know, community land trusts that give Mm. us the opportunity to care for the land and also provide permanent accessible housing? And can we genuinely collaborate and do all this together? 